Hey everyone, you're listening to Spark, where we amplify the voices of the Middle East startup, tech, and innovation ecosystem. I'm your host, Shireen, and along with our guests, we share with you expert insights on the latest and most relevant news. Our goal is to help you easily digest trending topics and be better equipped to know what to make of it all. Hey listeners, today's topic is going to be about wearables. What are wearables? Well, they're any device that you put on your body in order to monitor anything you want, really. You've probably seen people wear around bands, rings, sometimes even a chest strap. In fact, the global wearable device market is expected to be valued at $62 billion by the year 2025. Apple Watch alone has outsold the entire Swiss watch industry by selling over 10 million units in 2019. In today's episode, we talk about the different types of wearables, as well as what are some of the brands that are creating wearables for you to wear. Among some of the bands are Whoop, Apple Watch, and Fitbit. In fact, Fitbit recently was acquired by Google. The acquisition took about a year to complete, and that's because the higher authorities were investigating antitrust. They wanted to make sure that Google would not utilize the personal information collected from Fitbit in its ad business. And who are the types of people who wear wearables? Well, anyone really. Throughout lockdown, I personally was wearing a Fitbit. In fact, I used it to track my steps per day. My mom got so inspired by the fact that I was walking so much that she asked me to buy her one. Other people more into their health and fitness, such as my brother, can even wear up to multiple devices. He wears an Apple Watch plus an Aura Ring. An Aura Ring, for those of you who don't know, helps track your sleep and therefore helps you determine how well you're recovering. But not to worry, if you're unfamiliar with all this, in today's episode, we dig deep into the different brands, why people would use the different brands depending on what they're trying to achieve, what to do with the data you collect, and many more. With me on the show is Marcus Smith. Marcus is an athlete, as well as a fitness coach, as well as an entrepreneur. He's the owner of the prominent gym Inner Fight out here in Dubai. He's also a fanatic about fitness challenges. And among some of his achievements are doing 30 marathons in 30 days, one per day that is, as well as running for 24 hours on end. Needless to say, he knows a thing or two about staying fit and how wearables can help him achieve that. I'm super passionate about this industry. I really hope you enjoy today's conversation. And without further ado, let's jump straight to it. Hello. Hi, Marcus. It's nice to meet you. Cool. Yeah. Oh, it should be fun. Awesome. Marcus, do you wear any wearables? Uh, my watch. <laughs> what kind of a watch do you have on? Uh, I actually have a Bremont watch. Okay. Um, I'm an ambassador for Bremont, so I wear that watch. And then I wear a sports watch as well. So, but yeah, I, it, it's quite interesting because I've tested a lot. Well, not a lot, but a couple of different types of wearables and obviously we use some of the technology for for training people as well so it's a yeah it's a really interesting it's a really interesting field and it's a bit of a minefield i think as well so yeah what are the various devices that you've tried out so far um i have used back in the day when initially um fitbit first came to the market that was really interesting because you actually you had like this wristband and then you clip the Fitbit onto this wristband. Um, I think that was like mark one of, of Fitbit. So I've done, I've used Fitbit, I've used Whoop, um, and on uh, on Garmin as well. There's mm. like steps tracking, daily health, same on Sunto as well. We sort of looked at that data a little bit. And then there's actually, which is not 
a wearable, but a really decent app that I've used for a number of years is an app called HRV for training. Okay. And what that does is it, it's, there's two ways that it works actually. One is, and I don't know if it works on like, um, all these cameras that like are three cameras now on the new phones, but it used to work on just like the camera through your finger would take your heart rate. Um, or it can sync as well with, with heart rate bell. And that's a reading that you do first thing in the morning. So oh, that's so yeah, interesting. That's kind of, yeah yeah so that's kind of the yeah that's the stuff that that i've used and and then obviously I've, i haven't had one myself but i've got a lot of clients that use or have used aura ray um, i've seen the aura ring the problem uh, is with is the aura though when you're training you have to take it off otherwise it'll scratch yeah. against the barbell yeah exactly and like it's it seems everyone says that it's comfortable but it seems quite big and chunky. So I guess it takes some getting used to, but as I said, I haven't worn it. So I don't really know. But for for, um, the people you know who use Aura, are they using it to track metrics when they're training or is it resting and recovery and that type of information that they gather? You see, and this is is the thing in, in, in my opinion about wearables right now is that people understand that their sleep is not, good quality and you know uh what's the guy's name sleep now or some sleep by matthew walker book that i actually read last year you know there was two books that came out in 2019 or 2020 which were talking all about sleep and everyone started to figure out that their sleep is obviously super important and these brands have basically in my opinion spoken to people's what i would call pain points it's like I'm going to, we're going to track your sleep. We're going to tell you what's happening in your sleep so that you can then perform better. So if you look at things like whoop, I believe that the main, the main reason people are buying them is to monitor their sleep, their recovery, same, same with aura. So it's not really about tracking performance metrics. It's, it's more like actual performance metrics whilst in sport. It's more about tracking recovery metrics We've been tracking performance metrics in sport for, for years. And the way that we do that is still the same for, for runners. For example, we're using heart rate data, we're using speed and we've got all the tools in place for that. Um, but for recovery, this is where, and, and it's almost like fashion as well for a lot of these things like, oh, what are you wearing on your wrist? You know, yeah, like, yeah. that's what I saw with, with whoop. And, and then with aura, like we say, they could, they've made that ring a little bit different a little bit more you know (laughs) discreet probably but they made the ring that's quite big and everyone's like oh you've got a strange ring on what's that so i've seen some men use it in place of a wedding band actually yeah and that to me is really weird (laughs) (laughs) i mean if you're gonna wear a wedding band anyway i feel like they would just put the aura ring on it's not that they'd have multiple rings but you know so when you look at the inside of the ring so on the outside it's usually coated and on the inside you can see all the wires and the hardware and um i agree it's kind of chunky but i'm pretty sure that it's as thin as it can be given the you know, it's, yeah, it's right a tracking now. device. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with you. You know, it's got to send, it's got to be chargeable. It's got to send a frequency to your phone. It's yeah, it's, it's as small as it can be. It's, um, it's just interesting that, you know, they, I think when, I, th- I don't know how Aura actually came to pass. I think what they did is they went through a, they, they, they're just like a tech startup. And I think they went through a funding stage where they pre-sold a lot of pieces into the market. So they were, they were selling it for about a year before it actually shipped. And 
I think that create like I think that's quite genius marketing as well as great for their capex as well because they sort of tested the market to see what the market wanted, got all this money in, and then produced it. Um, and because they're the only, I think they're one of the only ones that produce something quite like that or that has such a nice marketing story around it. That's kind of how they've done quite well. But you know, the the wrist wearables seem to be, and the fact that brands like Garmin and Sunto are incorporating similar if as good as if not better metrics into watches it sort of begs the question of like why do you actually need like i have some clients that might have a sometime a garmin or aura garmin and they also have an aura ring and it's like uh, why do you really need that and it's the same with whoop like yeah so you know, you know someone's actually told me um that when you go to a hospital and they check your blood pressure, they put that thing on mm. your finger, right? So yeah. um, measuring heart rate on your finger is meant to be more accurate than your wrist. Mm. So yeah. effectively, if you care about getting the best uh, thing to monitor your sleep uh, as possible, yeah. you would go for the ring. Uh, but yeah. then if you want to measure your heart rate whilst you work out, the ring is kind of unbearable with a barbell. So then yeah. they'd have like a whoop or an Apple watch or yeah. some other kind of band. I mean, yeah, or, or to go back to, to where, like I said, where I think the most re- reliable data comes from, which is a chest strap, you know, and they're kind of lost these days because no one wanted to wear an additional chest strap because it's like uncomfortable and it's just that and the other, but you've got, you've got too many variables by, by like, if you look at this watch I've got right now, it's moving up and down and it's the same. Yeah. I don't like my sports watch to be, to be fixed, but if you want a proper fixed reading from the wrist, that watch needs to be tight. It needs to not move. And that's what the ring does to a certain extent. But like you say, in the gym, it's useless, but that's definitely what a chest strap does. And that's why we see the best data from chest straps. Yeah. You know, Polar who make chest straps, sorry, chest straps. Um, Or rather, if you buy a chest strap from Polar, you can actually link that to your Aura ring. So I think that the makers of Aura know that there's this gap, um, so they've gone and synced up to other devices. And apparently now I think yeah. they also talk to Apple. So if you have an yeah. Apple watch, you can sync up the data. I mean, most of them are synced across two pla- across all platforms. The reason being is because they work on, on, on two sort of frequencies or two bits of technology. One is A&T and one is Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the thing, like all the, all the Bluetooth uh, chest straps will sync to any app on your phone if your phone syncs via Bluetooth and the same like Android phones will always work with ANT. So a- any ANT chest strap will sync directly to a phone. So there is, and that's why like, if, if we go back to what I was saying, HRV for training, the best data that I would get from that would be from a chest strap. So wake up in the morning, literally as soon as you get out of bed or whilst you're still in bed, put the chest strap on, it'll link via Bluetooth to your phone and you can get really, really accurate data mm. from that. But the argument is, and this is this is where they're just arguments, right? Because that's a snapshot in time. Like HRV data, we take the data on waking, it's two-minute reading, whereas the data that we're getting from wearables, such as all the ones that we've mentioned, is over the whole night period or the whole day period. So they're constantly supposed to be analyzing your data. But I'm a little bit uh, wary of them. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of interesting What are you wary about? (laughs) I actually think, I think a lot of it is a a bit of a, a data land grab. I think what we'll see 
in there. You just need to listen to the Whoop podcast, for example. They have some great guests on, but I, I think the guy is, is the guy is, and it's tough, but it feels like they're just trying to get the value of the company as high as possible, get as many people. Oh, it's as valued possible. at over a billion dollars now, according to their latest exactly. round. When you say exactly. the guy, um, is it? Um, are you re- referring to the founder of Whoop? Is is he the, the host founder, of the yeah. podcast? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Like well, honestly, his name. I listened to a few of his podcasts last year because he had he had a few interesting guests on, and you know, he seemed like a nice guy. But it's like. The, the data from Whoop as well is very sporadic. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't always add up. And I've, I've actually measured it against other data. I get pure heart rate data and there's certain disparities as well. It's the same when you measure, you measure wrist heart rate. Like I've worn a, a, a wrist a, a, a watch taking my wrist heart rate on my right hand. And on my left hand, I've worn a watch taking the heart rate from my chest and I've got about 10 beats different reading. And it's oh, like, that's interesting. And obviously the one on your chest would be more accurate. I believe the one on my chest is, was more accurate. Yeah, because that was a fairer reflection of how I was feeling at the time. So, you know, I, I think a lot of these companies are, are just tech companies that are, you know, they're bringing an incredible amount of data, which as we know, we've seen over the last time of, 18 months, two years, like data is money for, for a lot of these people. And, you know, if you have the reason why that, why Whoop is valued over a billion dollars is, is because of the amount of people on the platform, you know, it's not, it's not, I don't know anyone that's worn Whoop or continued to wear Whoop and is really getting great value from it or, you know, but suddenly they endorse all the top athletes and yeah, it stinks if you're asking me, but. <laughs> Are you ever worried about big tech stealing your data and using it for ad purposes really, and, you know, corporate greed? No, I'm not really. My, I know my, my dad is, my dad sort of still writes stuff down in weird books in places, but you know, I, I mean, we know, I think it's difficult. We know that we're, are we being listened? Are we this? Are we that? And the various, various conspiracies. Does it worry me? No, because I don't really have anything to hide. Mm-hmm. I guess the only time it would worry me or upset me is if, if people sort of used it and hacked into my bank accounts or threatened my family. You know, I think that would be, that would be the only time, but I'm happy to share data. Um, so long as what I'm getting back, if I'm putting data in, like I'm ha- I was happy to be a Whoop customer for, I was on that platform for six months mm. and I'm super happy to, to trial it so that I can have conversations like this and so that I can coach people in the best way and find, find the, the right tools. But they, it should sort of almost be sort of two way, you know, and, and to try and figure out like, okay, what benefit am I getting? And that's why in the end, I, 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 I took my whoop off because I wasn't getting any benefit from having it because the data was so inconsistent and I proved that the data was inconsistent. Yeah. You know what, actually come to think of it, what could be pretty cool is if these companies then went to um, gym and fitness operators and said, Hey, why don't we help you coach your clients better by giving you anonymous aggregated data that we collect from, you know, various athletes around the world. Yeah. I mean, that'd be interesting, but the problem is, and and that we will see that happening, but often, and this is the thing is that often the stats that are quoted by these new tech companies are very small studies 
and they're not peer-reviewed. Like if you try and find a peer-reviewed, which makes it quite a legit study if, it, if it's got some decent commentary on it, but on these things, you, you don't really find a whole heap. And the reason being is that the company's been around only a short period of time, so they haven't had time to monitor data. Like if you take a platform like Polar, Polar was probably one of the first in that, in that market of heart rate data. I remember when I was about 13 years old, I got my first heart rate monitor from Polar. You know, and of course at that time, the data didn't go to the and internet. Cloud, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it just, it literally just came out of my watch. I couldn't even, I couldn't even review the run. I could just see in real time what was happening. Um, you know, they've, they've been in the business for a long time and, and, and the likes of Sunto and Garmin. So they've got a lot of data that they can probably speak about, but these new tech, more techie companies that we're seeing coming into the market have a lot less. And to legitimize or to further sell what they're doing, they're doing studies, but if they're of only a small sample and they're not peer reviewed, then how legit are they really, you know? Mm. Um, but I mean, you, you can flip it as well and you can say Fitbit's quite, you know, Fitbit's probably been in the market 10 to 15 years. And one of the greatest things, and, you know, if we talk about some of the positives of things like Fitbit, which, you know, if, if I look at my mom, she had a Fitbit and she's obsessed with the number of steps, which forces her to do that number of steps every day. That's a massive positive, you know, so... I, I sound a little bit sort of negative about wearables and stuff. Actually, there's there's a lot of really good things happening to people because they're because they're using them. And I think Fitbit really needs to take a lot of the credit for that. They really sort of their marketing was all around steps. And they gamified and, it as well to incentivize yes. people to actually yeah. hit X number of steps. So, you know, the yeah. only time I've personally ever worn a wearable was during lockdown. I yeah. put a Fitbit on to make sure that I hit 12,000 steps every single day. Um, right. But once quarantine ended, I threw my Fitbit away because frankly speaking, Why? Um, I don't think it's fashionable, uh, but I'm also the kind of person who doesn't wear a single piece of jewelry. Um, and I'm also right. a fan of good old Excel. So right. for me, um, sometimes I think that I'm overwhelmed with data. It's one thing to collect yeah. data and it's another yeah. thing to collect it for the sake of it and not really do anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah. for a while I was collecting, uh, sleep metrics, uh, macro metrics, uh, where really, I think as someone who does CrossFit, not as an athlete, yeah. but, um, as yeah. a hobbyist, all I really need to track are my lifts per week. Um, yeah. and then, yeah. uh, you know, I, I kind of adjust it that way. So if I'm like, I know if I'm getting eight hours of sleep, I don't think I need a device to tell me that I'm not sleeping well. Absolutely, mate. And, and that's the bottom line. It's like, if you wake up in the morning, like it, it, over a week, you can do a study on yourself and, you know, you can, and, and I still have this and, and, and some people probably think it's quite old school, but I still have a simple one, two, three scoring system for some of my clients that I coach. I'm like, one, you wake up, you feel absolutely amazing. You're ready to absolutely crush it. Two, you feel okay. Like you slept pretty good. You're not great. You're not, you're not bad. And three, you've just slept like crap. Like, you know, and, and, and I think that's what we're, we're almost losing a lot is our ability to ask ourselves, like, how do I actually feel today? You know, and just because your little black book says you should be able to back squat 100 kilos, 
Like your black book doesn't understand the stresses that you've had in your life that week. Mm-hmm. And you're the same that your whoop doesn't really understand all of that either. So I, I agree with you. There's a little bit where we need to take back control for ourselves and, and, and the responsibility and whether that's tracking in that black book in Excel. And, you know, I, I still use Excel for, again, for a number of my clients around the world. I still use like a, a, a measuring system in Excel of what I have called the 14 points of truth. And all they simply do is every week they measure 14 different parts of their body with a, with a tape. Measuring, measuring tape. T- yeah. <laughs> it's good old like, fashioned. You know, it, it, it's really, and it, it's funny because when, when I first asked people to do that, they, and I say, you might think this is old school, but two or three weeks in, they're like, yeah, this is just so simple. And I can see where I'm progressing and if I'm regressing where and why. And, and then they take, they tend to take action. Whereas it's funny with a wearable, when the data doesn't go in your way, you're like, oh, this, this piece of crap doesn't work. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my, my, my aura ring's off or, you know, my, my whoop's not working or, oh, I've done 20,000 steps today. My, 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 my Fitbit's not telling me the truth. Like we just want to fight with it. And it's, you know, I, I don't think, I, I, I think just taking things back a little bit and, and being a little bit, it's the same as, as you said there, like you don't need to always count macros. Like, you know, if your plate is like this, that you've kind of got too much on it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's too much. So there is, and this is where these things are useful because they might just be, they might just be the catalyst that people need to start paying attention. And that's, that's where they're beneficial. But I, I think long-term people need to just grab the bull by the horns or grab themselves by their own horns and, and just figure out how they really feel and track their data for themselves accordingly. And it could be, could be a one, two, three, it could be a traffic light system. I do traffic lights. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I've been coaching for over 20 years. So when, when I started, we had to use these simple things. And trust me, like I said, I, I embrace every bit of technology that can help us to get better. Like, you know, we're on Zoom today. Fantastic. Absolutely great. Am I worried that someone's taking this conversation? Who cares? But we're leveraging technology to to, to, to do this and to share this knowledge and, and to be better. It's the same. If you can leverage some technology to improve human performance, go ahead and do it. But it's how long you use it for, how reliable that data is. And then if you actually take action based on that data, that's the, that's the thing. And like you said, you don't need a device to tell you you've slept five hours because you can look at your clock before you go to bed at 11. And when you wake up at four and you can do the math and it's like, yeah, I slept five hours. Wow. <laughs> you know? There's this so. app that I used to use. I forget the name. It slips me, but it used to tell you um, how deep you've slept. And it was just a you know app on your phone um, through the mic. It recorded how much you moved. And if you yes. move a lot, it said yeah. it basically indicated you weren't in deep sleep. And yes. that actually started bothering me after a point in time. Yeah, I used to get mad surprised. and think, why am I not falling into deep sleep? So yeah. I think it was a little bit counterintuitive. But yeah, I, I agree. And I think on, on that as well is these things can cause quite a lot of additional stress. Like we have to understand why we're not like if we reverse engineer this whole thing, coming back to sleep, what could be a reason why you're not sleeping? 
One of the biggest reasons that people are not sleeping is because they're not managing stress. Their cortisol levels are too high and they're not managing stress properly. So having something that reaffirms to them and keeps telling them that they're not performing in a certain area of their life, which in this case is sleep, actually adds to their stress in life. So it's just making the situation worse. What we need to do is we need to address that problem. Okay, why am I going to bed stressed? And then what, what I do with a lot of my clients is I'll look at their pre-bed routine. And if we can't find anything bad in that, we'll come back another hour and then another hour and then another hour. And sometimes it could be the fact that, you know, after lunch, someone has a double espresso at two o'clock and a double espresso at four o'clock. That could actually be the reason why they're having bad sleep. So it's all very well being told, but we need to be ready to go back and look at why we're getting the reaction that we're getting. And it's all related to a certain behavior that, that we're carrying out during the day. You mentioned sleep quite a lot. I think it's something you're very <laughs> conscious of, it, you know, over very. diet and all these other variables. Yeah, so I'm yeah. curious, how much sleep do you get for like hours I, per day? I, I, I sleep eight hours per night. Wow. That's yeah. Good for you. Yeah, but I've, I've seen videos of you on Instagram, though, up running at 5 a.m. So you must go to bed yeah. early then. Yeah. So I'll go to bed. Like, for example, t- tomorrow morning, I have to run, I think, 5.30. So I'll be up at 4.30. And all I simply do is I just minus eight hours from that. So I know tonight I need to be in bed at 8.30. And, and you, do you cool. stop having coffee at a particular time to make sure you knock out once you hit bed? Yeah, I, yeah, I will. Like, I would not really drink coffee much past, like, one o'clock. I would have maybe a couple of coffees during the morning. And then if I'm having one after lunch, it'll be one o'clock, latest two o'clock. I don't really find that it has a, a huge impact on me, to be honest, um, because I... Pretty much every night, unless, and I have it as well, unless I'm having an incredible amount of training stress or, or life stress, be it work, whatever it is, I pretty much go to sleep within like 30 seconds, Wow! <laughs> you know? Mm. And, and, and I think that's a lot, it's an interesting conversation. And it's a conversation I have with a lot of people. It's like, why can't you wake up in the morning? Why can't you go to sleep? And a lot of the time, and this is nothing to do with wearables, it's more about our, our underlying motivation for life. Like people can't wake up in the morning because they're not excited about what they're going to do. And people don't go to bed. Like I'm super excited, for example, to go to bed tonight at 8.30 because I know when I sleep eight hours, I'm going to feel amazing. I'm going to wake up at half four and then I'm going to be running at half five, which I absolutely love doing. And there's a real purpose behind it. So everything, it's almost like trying to live a life with a lot more purpose. And then you like, I'm excited to go to bed so that I can get up tomorrow ready to go again, which to a lot of people sounds, again, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, like Marcus, oh. when I'm, when I'm trying to go on a calorie deficit, I'm excited to go to sleep early so I can wake up and eat the next day. <laughs> That's why calorie <laughs> deficit and macronutrient management on a, on a, Big scale is dangerous. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's usually like when I want dessert as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, do you track your food intake through an app or no. anything like that? No. Okay. No, I never do. And it, again, I have done in the past and, you know, I, I know what the right amount of food looks like. I also know when I feel hungry and when I feel full. And I also know, you know, like eating ice cream is not good, 
You know, it's not going to help me to, to get my goals. Having, you know, having frappuccinos with loads of syrup in, mm. like, you know, you ask anyone if they think sugar is good for them and everyone knows that it's not, but they have it. So again, it's a little bit of an old school mentality. I, I will like, as I get towards the end of the week and my training volume normally is quite high towards the end of the week and, and, and weekends. And I'm, I'm obviously a little bit more fatigued. I'll need more food. So I'll generally eat more towards the end of the week and at the start of the week, I'll eat a little bit less. And I've been actually doing that for quite a while now and that works super well for me. But the thing is, is that I eat the same things pretty much every single day. So my breakfast is always the same. My lunch is, you know, Holly cooks for us every evening and we eat a paleo diet and it's leftovers from the night before. And, you know, it's, I know what, I need when it comes to like carbohydrates and, and, and protein and all of that stuff. So that I don't like a lot of people say, Oh, you don't have much variation in your diet. And it's like, well, I really enjoy it. You know, you speak about lockdown through lockdown for like three months, Holly was away. I ate three Smith street meals on rotation. That was it. You know, I ordered the same three meals. Even the 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 girl Hannah that that coordinates the whole of Smith Street, she's like, "Boss, do you not want some variety here?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> consistency is key. <laughs> it yeah, seems. consistency is key. But if you think about that as well, if you're constantly putting the same petrol into your body, like if one day you put diesel in and the next day you put petrol, you're going to get a different result. And that's why. That's why there's so many factors when it comes to performance, because people one day are putting in a load of energy, like, and that could be something like, it could be a load of sugar, it could be a load of carbohydrate, uh, you know, which is sugar anyway, it, it could be way too much protein. And then the next day, they don't perform the same way as they did that day last week, but they fuel totally different. So again, that's just awareness of your body, like mm. how does... How does a lot of potato go for you? How does a lot of red meat go for you? You know, and you you have to do some pretty you have to do some pretty controlled tests, and then you find out what works, and then you roll with it. So that's how I look at my nutrition. So speaking of food in the context of wearables, one last mm. type of device I want your opinion on: continuous blood glucose monitoring devices. Have you ever seen <laughs> non-diabetics wear wear one? Yes. 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 Okay. I'm actually thinking of so, getting one just to see the impact of carbs and insulin response yeah. on my body. Listen, we, we actually did some testing here at the gym a couple of months ago. There's a gentleman that has developed an app locally and he does it. He comes around. What's and the name the, of the app? Uh, I don't know because I didn't do it. He wanted Ooh, okay. me to do it. Um, I'll find out for you. Uh, three of the code, three of my endurance coaches did it and they put that little thing in your arm for like a couple of weeks and, and you get to, you know, you get to see where your blood glucose levels are highest, lowest, the impact of eating X, Y, and Z. And I don't, I haven't really caught up with the guys as to, you know, what, what the impact was and if there uh, was any sort of surprises, shall we say, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's similar as well, isn't it? It's like, I haven't had much carbohydrate today. I haven't had much sugar today. Like I'm a little bit tired. Okay. If I have more, then my blood glucose is going to go up. Then I'm going to have more energy. It's like, this is not rocket science. This is just, it's just figuring out a way to, to feed the beast. But I, I think what's interesting with 
like 24-hour monitoring of, of blood glucose and, and, and these little things that you, you chuck in, in your arm is you really can understand the impact that food has and also sleep and training has on your body. And that will give you, and it, it loops back to sort of what I've said a couple of times, these things, all of these things that we've spoken about are, are super awesome if the data is legit, of course, and if you take action on the data. So if you learn something through 24-hour blood glucose monitoring and then you tweak your food intake and your lifestyle habits to boost your performance, then I think it's fantastic mm. to, to monitor it. But if you just do it and then you just ignore it and go back to your old habits, then it's a bit counterintuitive. Yeah. You, you, you need to know what you plan on doing with the data you gather. With yeah. a continuous blood glucose monitor, I think uh, part of the, pr- uh, the, um, the benefit is to know how different foods affect your body personally. So it's personalization 100%. of data. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, that's what's super important. Like I eat a mango and something will happen to my body. You'll eat the same mango at the same time and something different will happen mm. to your body. And we are the same, but we are also very different. So I think that personalization as to what foods work best with you, that can you can get that information super fast through, through constant monitoring, or you, again, you can go a bit old school and you can just do some trial and error. You know, for some people, if they eat fruit at night, they, you know, they can't sleep. It makes them go to the bathroom, all of this. For other people, they can have fruit after dinner and it acts as like a digestive and they feel great. <laughs> you know, yeah. I always say that to people. I'm like, I know that, for example, beer and pizza, we understand that it's not really super healthy, but if you're, hitting all your fitness goals, you look fantastic and all of your sort of health markers are in check and you have a diet of beer and pizza, not every night, but you know, you eat that once a week, then that's great. You know, I I think it's fantastic for you. You do you basically. (laughs) Yeah, you do you. And, but don't be, don't be one of these people that try and tell me that I'm comfortable in my own body when you're, you know, 30% body fat because you're just unhealthy, Mm. you know, and, and this is the thing it's um there's obviously that's a whole other debate right now but you know that's where we we sort of have to be careful and i always say to people i say that the real test is go and have a look at yourself in front of the mirror do you look good naked are you happy with what you see are you a one when you wake up are you a full green light when you wake up and if you're not then you need to make some changes you know and you need to stop telling people that it's okay to eat chocolate cake because we all know that it's not unless it's paleo yeah but there's a little there's a limit to that as well, right? We can't, and that's the thing with paleo food. Yeah, there's no refined sugars, but the fat content is is high, which is great for us. We need that fat. But there's a thing when people find these things called like healthy treat. Again, a whole other can of words <laughs> <laughs> for another day. Yeah. Marcus, I've had a wonderful conversation. I'll be mindful of your time. Absolutely. No, that was awesome. It's really cool. Especially, uh, you know, something that is quite prevalent for a lot of people. So hopefully that was helpful. And if people have questions, hit me up. I'll answer them. Awesome. Thank you, Marcus. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes on your podcast listening platform of choice. And whilst you're there, leave a review and rate our show so that other aspiring innovators can find it. To find a summary of our discussion today and links to our guests, access our show notes by visiting our website, sparkwithshereen.com. If you don't want to miss out on future announcements, subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at sparkwithshereen. Before you go, I'd like to let you know that we love hearing from our listeners. 
If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, including guest or topic recommendations, drop us a message through our website or social platforms. If you didn't have a pen or paper handy to write all this down, don't worry. We've gone ahead and added all these links in the episode description. All you have to do is scroll down and click when you have a moment. As always, thank you for listening and see you next time.